0: Welcome back, beautiful people. This is episode 73 of An Untold Narrative, where we host uh, creators um, who are doing incredible things underground, aren't really well known, but known in their niche, don't have a blue check mark, um, but are worth talking about and have an unbelievable story. Today's guest is no different. He is James Costa of Clubhouse Archives, but has an incredible history, from what I understand, in the fashion in uh, apparel space. Uh, you are an avid golfer, you are a family man, and you are an incredible entrepreneur from what I've watched from the background. You are another guest of mine who I've met just through the internet of things, and we get to come together to kind of have a conversation, so I'm super stoked to have you.
1: Yeah, I appreciate you bringing me on. Look forward to uh, talking a little bit about what you just mentioned, my history, and kind of what brought me into uh, Web3 and, and here today, but... Um, yeah, just kind of super excited also to to be on here with you. I, I know this is what your 73rd you said? Yeah, say? 73. Yeah, that's in, that's incredible, man. Congrats on that. That's consistency. <laughs> Thank and you. That's that's one of the keys. So that's awesome. It's,
0: it's fluctuated, trust me. There are some months where I just don't like I just don't have the energy for it. But um, but yeah. I've been back at it lately. So I've been I'm I'm excited. Like you were one of the people. I'm like, Oh, this, this person would be super interesting to have on. So uh, uh, completely unlike a lot of our other guests. So we'll touch on photographers, videographers, footwear designers, obviously, because that's primarily who I know in my ecosystem. But uh, we've had apparel before, not too many, though. So I'm really excited. And, and obviously, your journey is a little bit different. Um, you mentioned off, uh, off uh, before we started recording, uh, you're based in Colorado. Have you always been there? Where'd you grow up? What's your history mm-hmm. like?
1: No. Yeah. So, so actually I was born and raised in Florida. Um, lived there for, uh, what, 20, 22, 23 years, uh, from there moved to Atlanta, Georgia. Actually, I lived in Atlanta, Georgia for almost six years and still to this day, one of my favorite places in the country, um, to live. I think I, I I had such a great experience there. It was my first business out, um, out of the gates in, in the apparel industry, which I've been in apparel now for 23 years. So uh, that was where I kind of really understood the game, if you will, and learned so much about what I was doing and what the future of my career would be. Then from Atlanta. You? What they,
0: was that What was that first job in Atlanta?
1: So I started with uh, a couple of business partners, uh, a denim line called Carpe Denim. Oh, cool. That would run for 10 years and would would evolve into a full collection. So it became Carpe Clothiers. So it started as this men's and women's denim line and and then grew into more of a lifestyle brand that uh, inevitably would end due to the 08 financial crisis, the uh, housing crisis. So that was kind of the beginning of the end uh, for us. And it, and it ran from 2000 um, to 2010. So in 2008, when that hit, uh, those last two years were just really rough and we inevitably closed it down. But then I moved to New York and I was in New York for almost five years where I worked for a couple different businesses. One of them was uh, just a year or like like a year and a half, and then the rest of it was at Jackson, New York as their uh, design director, and that was a pretty big company. I, I I think when I left there, it was a forty million dollar business, and then the next year they they went up to eighty. Actually, wow. uh, we doubled each year. Um, that I was there It was crazy. It was an aw- awesome experience.
0: So so you in your first two apparel and clothing ventures, you've you've really understood the grassroots of what it's like building a business essentially.
1: For the first 10 years as an entrepreneur, because it was our business and it was a startup, I mean, we were in our our 20s at that point, right? Yeah. We went on the internet, found a business plan, and emulated that plan, recreated an entire uh, deck and model based around the, the framework that we found. Pitched that to friends, family, and some angels. And raised close to two hundred fifty thousand dollars at that time. The time that was something, yeah, twenty so somethings. Uh, and then that's what that's what kicked off that ten year business. But the point of all that was because we were in charge of everything. We had to learn everything. So we hired a consultant uh, that had worked for J Crew for twenty or thirty years. Like he was in the in the industry for a very long time, mainly as a developer. Uh, so he would take he would take tech packs and concepts and he would develop them into working samples. And then, you know, he would run production as well. So he really taught us everything that became the foundation of what I know today in development and production. I mean, that's, and that's, you know, it's, it's funny. That's really where the product is, is made. Like that's Mm -hmm. really where the magic happens in terms of, and you know, this, you can have a great design on paper, but, if the developer is not great at what they do uh, then you're not going to get that. It's
0: going to look completely different.
1: <laughs> right. Like developers are the ones that are there with the fabrics. If they're not pre-selected or if there's just a quality deliver to say, I'd like to get something like this. The developer is usually the individual that went, goes and finds the, um, you know, the five options to say, here's, they, are, here's a good, you know.
0: they are the unsung hero of, you know, product creation, essentially.
1: They are. And if a developer is really, really good, then you typically get really, really great products. And sometimes, and like you said, it's it's the unsung here, but it can also be um the reason why sometimes brands aren't aren't what they used to be or right. um kind of change a bit in ter- because it's it, it's really down to the individual that's um developing the samples to get approved, right? Mm-hmm. So we learned that side of the business and by all accounts um, really got an education in in an incredible way and became students of the game. So when I went to New York, I ended up working for for that Jackson, New York company as their design director. And when he found out that I could create not only the designs, but also create the tech packs, go over to Asia and run the development because I'd been doing it for several years up to that point, um, I became that guy. And I ended up managing men's and women's, and we were running 75 styles per gender, not counting the SKUs and so not counting colorways. So you're talking a couple hundred um, samples on both gender, right? And had their off price business. So we, it was a task. And I was, <laughs> you know, I was getting up, uh, I was getting up at, at five. I still get up at five in the morning, but that's when I started that, that early in my career. I was getting up at five in the morning, I was sitting in my, desk in in uh, Tribeca, typically around 630 to seven somewhere in that because the office, you know, opened at nine, and I needed two hours before everybody showed up just to stay afloat, right? Just so much.
0: That's like, that's like the the typical like New York hustle kind of story. Like, if you really want to break through all of the noise of New York in fashion, that's the energy you have to put forward. Sure. And it's, you know,
1: that is, that is the, well, it, it's funny. It is, but, I, but there was nobody else in the office uh, at that time. So I was getting there. I was getting there earlier than, than most now at like eight to eight 30 people would roll in. So there was, there was your earliest. I was just early, early. Cause I just, you so, know, I was so was
0: why, hmm? why did you feel compelled to, to, to drive that and be devoted like that?
1: I really wanted to make an impact at the company, and I, I felt um, I loved what I—I I, I honestly loved being in control of all that design. Yeah. And you know, if you know anything about about tech packs and about flats and about all that, it's 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 just time consuming at that at that time. It was very time consuming and that's very We that's weren't amazing. using a PLM. I was using all Illustrator and Photoshop, so I was creating tech packs, and, it was, and that's time consuming. Mm-hmm. You know, we used to he, he would he wanted to see everything sampled. So the tech packs had to be really, really extensive had a lot of colorways in them and uh, a lot of detail. And by and large, my my job there specifically was to turn their business around because they, they were shirt people when I came in, Mm. and I made them collection people. So we we really um, transformed that business into into a substantial uh, contemporary brand at that at that point we were competing. Then you know we got back into department stores and and um, hundreds of stores across the country. And then we developed the massive Costco business. And that was like, yeah, that's why they went from 40 to 80. That so I yeah. helped them set that up. And then and then at the end of that tenure with with that company, I had decided to go back out on my own. Mm. And I partnered up with Jared Cook. From yeah, a number of places, uh, St. Louis, he was at New Orleans. He New was
0: Orleans is what I know him for. Packers,
1: uh, inevitably uh, went to the Chargers, he was the Raiders. Like, he's you know, and and, and it was awesome experience for me because you know, I, I used to play ball, so I had a kind of an affinity to that still. But but to have someone that was kind of similar in the sense where they were former, uh, or they were he was a current, but just an athlete that. An affinity for fashion um and so you
0: started a bit of fashion business with jerry oh yeah
1: so we started a label uh co-founded a label he already had the name; it's called nifty genius okay it's still in existence uh nifty-genius.com you can take a look at that in fact everything on there still i have designed uh, um, all of the products there uh, they're still in business i just left that business sold my equity there to getting into web3, right? That's when I learned about So
0: when uh, when um so just to pause real quick, what year did you start Nifty Genius with Jared?
1: That was back in 2015, and I and at that time I was living in LA. So I had moved from mm-hmm. New York to LA to open up the LA office for Jax. And in that transitional period, I had met Jared through a friend that was actually his business partner at the time and inevitably became our our third partner. And he introduced us and, and Jared, you know, was telling me all about what he wanted to do. And um, they loved what I was doing at Jack's and, and they thought that it would be great to kind of partner up and have me run the design, the development of the same, same thing, same thing as I've been doing for, you know, almost uh, at that point, 15 plus years um, now, 23 years. And, yeah. So we ran that biz together all the way up until, you know, COVID got tough, obviously yeah. it was tough for everybody, but uh, they're, they are still in business. They, they made it through all the way up until I, I think I finally, February of 21, which was last, mm. not this February, but yeah, it will be
0: coming up on two years. Yeah.
1: Yeah. As when I, is when I learned um, about NFTs, I was already invested in, Ethereum, I was already invested in Bitcoin. I was already in I even had a Polygon and Solana. And I like I was like, I'd started with XRP and and I should have made a lot of money off that. And they had that whole scandal, um, mm. which was just crazy. Because I was I was looking at that as like my long-term cash out. But um but yeah, so actually funny enough, XRP is what got me into crypto, and then I and then it expanded into all the other stuff. So I knew about blockchain for the most part didn't really understand it fully because i just knew that it was kind of the future of uh at that point currency in a sense right at least some form of currency not not probably going to replace things but and when my old it was the one of my old business partners with the denim line his name's greg mike he's this guy up here he's uh he's actually a famous artist in the space no i
0: was I was gonna ask you, I, I know Greg's work. I actually sat across from him at the a Delta Lounge one time. He's good friends with one of my best friends, Chay Anderson from Worcester Mass, where I live.
1: Oh yeah, because Greg's family's up from up in Connecticut. Yeah, yeah, sure.
0: So yeah, very small. I saw the artwork behind you. So those watching on YouTube, definitely check it out. Um so Greg was your business partner.
1: So Greg, myself, and another partner's name is Matthew Klein were the original partners in Carpe Denim. We all went to florida state university together we were all wow. the same i was older uh, and matthew convinced me to do to start the denim line and his friend greg was um was a graphic designer and i remember i walked into you know that he was like oh we should bring greg on as a partner and i'm like oh i don't know you know, I don't do we, What, like, what do we, what would he do? And then I, I think he made a business card for us one day, like just, I walked in and he showed me kind of the design for the card or whatnot. It kind of clicked to me cause I wasn't a graphic designer at, right. the, at that time. I didn't even know how to use illustrator and, and Photoshop and any of that. At that point, we, we, he, he actually was one of the ones that, that initially showed me how to use the program. And then it was, then I became a student of it and it was over from there, but, but uh I looked at that and I said, okay, yeah, he, he should, we should, we can bring him on as a partner. He can be in charge of graphics and marketing and you know how it is back then. It's like everybody's going to it. like, yeah, You're our, you're our CMO. Um, so. Um, yeah. He's, you know, I mean, he's it, a,
0: he's an incredibly talented artist for those. Yeah, who I was his say, just...
1: He was always an artist though. Yeah. And he used to always say, it's funny to this day. I mean, he would, he was consistently drawing in his books and I wish I can get my hands on these, these pre Larry Loudmouth characters. I've got to have some some somewhere. And he did a pretty good job, though. It's funny. He really always knew he was going to be an artist. Wow. He would only really sketch in his books. We had all these books that we would sketch in, like uh, designs, which I still have. And the characters though, he would keep to his books. And then the other stuff he would put in the other books. So I, I looked at one point. I'm like, I can't. There's got to be something somewhere. But it's interesting because he would always say that he wanted to be an artist. and when the 2008 thing hit, we actually owned two businesses together. We had we'd had Carpe Denim, uh, actually three, take that back. So we had an office in downtown Atlanta. We had Carpe Denim. We had uh, an apparel trade show that we were running down to Miami Beach that became super successful. Cool. And then it was called Traffic, T-R-A-F-I-K. And then we had CI Group, which was a consulting business. And we were working with um, TBS, Cartoon Network, um, Dallas, Austin. We developed his rowdy line, and 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 several other clients. But the point is, is after that all kind of ended, right? We we disbanded, and I moved up to New York. Matthew was already up there. He became this artist. He stayed in Atlanta. He's like, I'm gonna I'm gonna become an artist. I think five or six years later, he opened up uh, ABV, which is an art gallery yeah. in in Atlanta, and has worked with google and facebook and every
0: everybody i mean heineken
1: and he just did a collaboration with cause like he became this globally renowned artist um and i'm super proud of him i I mean he's
0: and you you got to start a business with him
1: (laughs) yeah well it's funny well he's he was one of the first people i went to for he he is the one that informed me of nfts
0: Mm, wow there you go full circle
1: yeah, so he was like, "Oh, you know," he explained it to me on the phone. And on the phone conversation is when I, I came up with the idea. I was like, "I'm going to do this for clothing." Asked him a bunch of questions and just did a ton of research after that. It took me six months to develop the business model. Um,
0: so said, but, it's so funny because the the business you guys started—it sounds like you just pulled the business model off Google. Yeah, well, that <laughs> there's there's there's, there's, was there's none it. of that for NFTs. We're, we're too early.
1: <laughs> well, it's it you know the the business model for this though for nfts was an actual business model that was the difference that mm. was why it took me so long when i looked at what he what he was doing i mean he's an artist so he, he was selling his art and i didn't want to do that mm. i probably should have i mean it's just it's crazy how easily things sold back then but but i just that's not what i wanted to do and you know when you're in a bull uh you think that the bull's always going to be there. So I wasn't really, I uh, learned the hard way too. Yeah. I wasn't (laughs) thinking that way. I was, and, and, but I was thinking, you know, look, I was honestly thinking for the longevity of the business and for the holders. I was trying to figure out how do I actually give them value? Mm. You know, and I came up with clubhouse archives, which I always had the name on, on the back burner that was going to be, my brand, I was going to do an, an uh, IRL for web two, because I, I've always designed kind of a, you know, a Ralph Lauren meets Supreme kind of aesthetic that just always totally. look kind of like the Ralph Lauren rugby, um, look that Ralph used to have and clubhouse archives for me, it was like, oh man, you could take all of the sports memorabilia throughout history back in the archives of all these clubhouses. And, you know, if I was to go in the back of a clubhouse in their closet, like, what are some of the old things I might find, pull out and remake them, like reinvent them. And that was the idea behind the brand. So initially this kind of started golf related and quickly expand. I was like, no, this just needs to be sportswear. It just needs to be more of that Ralph kind of a thing. Um, Like I said, that meets Supreme, if you will. So I developed the membership NFT and I said, okay, well, the NFT that we sell initially is just a membership into a fashion hub. That That's where it landed today. Meaning you get into the ecosystem and think of it almost like a wholesale club, right? Mm. So in this fashion hub, you have the ability to have access to products, um, almost, yeah, I mean, somewhat near cost, if you're a member, right? Whereas people outside of the space are going to pay full retail. Mm. So we've created like this. And, and the reason why I call it a fashion hub is because we also work B2B. So, you know, we see ourselves as a resource for the space because fast forward, Web3's got this massive merch problem, right? We Huge. all, we all love it. Yeah, it's like nobody can win because you know
0: nobody knows how their, to their tech companies. companies. Right.
1: <laughs> it's like we shouldn't blame them. If I if I want really good code written, I go to them. <laughs> they should be coming to us if they want really good apparel and or footwear, right? So that's that's kind of the the problem uh, statement. And we saw ourselves as a solution, right? I'm using my 23 years experience to design, develop, and produce apparel um, at scale for the space. And that's that's really the underlying model when you look at it, right? You've got the B2B side and you've got the B2C side. So the B2B side is just a straight service uh, where we'll, we can design, we can design, develop, we can design, develop, produce. And um, we already have 10 brands now that we're working with. Um, And and that continues to grow, right? Now on the B2C side, what's really interesting is I said, okay, well, what else could we offer the members? We're offering them the ability to actually vote on a a site that we have built, right? We have this voting site on the collections, on the product development of the brand that we will create for the space Mm. because the label Clubhouse Archives Will be kind of this Web3 agnostic brand. Will we have branded products? Sure, but that's not really what we're doing. So when you think of the terms, you know, Diamond Hands and the HODL and not financial advice and, you know, those types of, uh, of terms, that's something that anybody in Web3 could wear regardless of what community you're in, 100%. right? Because that's just so think of us like that. So they're going to help develop that long term. But that's really the longer term play. The more immediate play is the fact that we're filling a void in the in the space.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, it's,
1: it's print on demand.
0: No, it's a hundred percent true. I mean, so many projects have come out with uh, let's call it merch, screen printed hoodies or T shirts, yeah. and just gotten absolutely destroyed by the people and the fans and the community <laughs> of the project. Um, but it's like, can you fault them because they don't have the resources? They don't understand that system. They don't know how to develop real tangible product. So, right. yeah, I mean, it makes a, it makes a, a ton of sense. And um, from what I've been seeing, it sounds like you, what I what I really can appreciate is like you didn't rush right into it and you didn't like launch it. And then and then you'd set because you, there have been other projects who have tried to do the physical, to digital and have rushed into it. And then they leave everybody waiting because they're they're figuring it out on the fly and then like, making way more mistakes that way.
1: It's still going to take look, and and our community has just been very patient. But I was very transparent with them from the beginning. We're like, look, we're going to build a business, mm. and this is going to take a couple of years. Mm. And that's, but that's how long it takes to build a business, mm. right? So, um, that started with, for me anyway, with with really setting up the team first. Mm. So I went out and and got some really incredible individuals, um, you know, people that worked at Amazon and Google or Progressive and and uh, and Nestle. Uh, in the case of our, you know, our, our culture officer, um, you know, our, our CMO, she's got her master's in marketing. I mean, we just really, P- Peter invented the iMirror, which is just amazing, but really putting people in place that long-term could help us build a business. And and that was intentional. And, and I'm so fortunate that the community is really just like, okay, we're, we're going to chill and wait um, because, you know. The way that we want to approach this is five years down the line, I want to be selling product inside the space, outside the space at retail and, and just a crypto native blockchain born apparel brand. Right. Um, and and service, because like I said, we can just like uh, Jack. So Jack's So Jax is, is your typical contemporary brand, right? They've got their main label. They have several other labels. They have private label that they produce mm. for Costco. And this, we want to do the same thing. And and we're doing that today right now with the brands that we're working with and, um, and laying the foundation for what I mentioned, you know, a moment ago that five years down the line, we can have brand equity, not just in web three, but brand equity as a brand and, you know, uh, in in the contemporary market
0: what's what do you think out of all the different ventures that you've you've gone and executed against what's the biggest difference with clubhouse archives and what you're you're doing today versus any other business that you've done in the past like what is there like a defining thing that still gets you out of bed
1: this is the this is the the slowest most calculated Mm. that i've been i mean it's and you know, I'm I'm forty-five at this point, right? You
0: look incredible I've, I've had my
1: I've taken my shots. So I, I've been punched in the mouth <laughs> to say the least. So I, I've I my biggest regret in past businesses was not having that team set up in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Right. And and that was the that was the thing that I promised myself that I would do right this time, right? Make sure you have, not to say those other businesses weren't successful, but they weren't as successful as they should have or could have been. So for me, it's about having that team in place. Uh, we are we are doing a raise. We're going out on a capital raise and, and um, talking to VC. Everything is in place for that to be successful, but without that team in place first. Then it's doing what I did in the past. You just go out and raise money and then you're like, oh, we're going to go hire a team. That's not what I wanted to do. So I found individuals that, that were willing to um, buy into the vision, be patient, and we got we we have traction already. We have clients that we're working with. So uh, this is kind of the first time I'm I'm doing it that way, right? Where I'm going in with the traction, I'm going in with the team. The plan has been flushed several times over in the past year and a half. The the industry has changed, as we mm-hmm. know. Right? We're actually seeing now. Membership NFTs, loyalty NFTs. When I was preaching this back in last last October, a year ago, right? it Was when I first started being vocal about this. Actually, I think it was November. People were like confused by what I was telling them. Because it wasn't, you know, it wasn't a, a PFP drop. They were like, you know, I would get in these spaces, and be like, you gotta, you gotta rework this whole pitch. We're like, we don't even can't even follow this. And 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 they were for most accounts right. Because I didn't even really, like, I under, I understood, but I understood why they didn't understand too. You know, I was like, this is like, they're yeah. like, all right, so wait, we buy this and then next week I could sell it for double? Like, because that's all they knew at the time. And I'm like, no, you buy this and you're in the club and, you know, you get discounts and you get special product. And they're like, yeah, I don't. So how do I make money? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, wait, what? Um, so yeah, it's 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 been interesting. The biggest differences are probably the, the patience and calculation, I think that went into
0: That's, this. that's so rare, like not only in web three, but it just in any business, right. Is the patience factor. Right. I mean, like that, and that's great to hear that, like you're putting people over product, right. Essentially like build the team first set up for success and then, and then go execute because it, the product will follow. Like,
1: yeah, I was just going to say that's, see, that's the thing is, and that, and that's, what I'm so glad that our, our community has been patient because Mm -hmm. we're supposed to develop this sweatshirt and everything else. I'm just trying to get everything because the product for me is the easy part. Like, that's like, that's the easy part. It's, and I always would jump right into that. And then everything else was like, yeah, we'll get to that. And it's like, that's your infrastructure. That's your, that's your business. Yeah. If that's not sound. um, And the product is eventually that's going to catch up to you. So I'm really trying to solidify the infrastructure in a way that I I just hadn't in the past, and that's not to say that I've been doing that for two years. Like I said, it took six months just to write the plan, mm. and that plan was flushed over a few times. And I really didn't start being vocal about this until, like I said, last November. Right. So this is really technically only eleven months in, mm. and we really didn't start selling any tokens until July, right when the bear, right right in the right yeah lowest point of the bear which is like,
0: but Hey, if you could, if you can make it out of this, dude, you can, you can, you can do yeah, it. Yeah. Um,
1: which we will. And, and, you know, we're expecting our membership to be full sometime in, in this coming year, we're going to, we're going to sell product to the space. We're going to sell products outside the space. We're going to service brands, uh, once again, inside and outside of the space. And it's, it'll be a business, I mean, and that's, it's going to be kind of surreal in one sense, you know, because we don't even really consider ourselves, you know, we don't use the word NFT on, on our, on our website. I don't know if you, if you, if anybody goes to the clubhousearchives.com, they'll notice it's more digital collectible. And mm-hmm. we've been doing that now for a few months. And once again, that narrative is now finally catching up and changing.
0: And everybody's using it now.
1: Yeah, and so, but you know, we do a a space on Fridays, uh, as you know. And I actually started that what you don't know. I started that back in February, and I I only stopped for thirty days. Yes, Stack came on, I think, like in like August to revive it, but I'd stopped it for thirty days. Before that, I was running that uh, way back to February, and I was, you know, it was almost more of a pontificating uh, platform, where I would just sit and preach. All of these kind of all of the things that we're saying now. And
0: get like, feedback. Shit. Huh? And you get feed, immediate feedback.
1: Yeah. And I was, I was, it was, it was more to like, I wanted to understand where people's heads were at. Yeah. And and open their eyes just to different, you know, business models within the space. And what I learned in that is, I used to say like, the, eventually NFT will go away because it just has to, right? There's way, way better examples today than I was giving. You know, the best one that I've heard recently was, we used to say mp3 and we don't ever say it we just download a song right yep. we just, just call, a song. A song call it what it is right but it's like oh i've got my mp3 player i've got my you know i'm going to download an mp3 it's and that's that's probably the best example that i've heard of recent we'll we'll get to a point to where people are just gonna be like yeah i downloaded this digital collectible shirt or yeah. i like it, or whatever, there'll be a term, right? And that's that's it, you know?
0: And what, and what just for the listenership, what James is referencing, they do this uh, amazing Twitter space. If you're on Twitter, definitely get on Twitter because that's where a lot of the market is shifting, especially with Elon buying it. So I, I assume it's actually going to bring more people onto Twitter. Um, but they host this beautiful Twitter space every Friday at 5 p.m. Uh, Eastern time uh, called Fashion Fridays uh, with James and uh, his co-host Stacky. So they do an incredible job. The last, it wasn't this past Fridays, but the one before was just so like, I keep, I'm like, man, I wish I was able to like participate because it was such a good conversation. So anybody. Was that
1: that the one where we were talking about G money and and we were going through. Yeah. yeah yeah. We we try to do current, you know, current events mixed with fashion. So every week it's not just like.
0: It's gotta be a balance.
1: Yeah. There's gotta be a balance. I mean, with, with Elon taking over Twitter, I mean, how can you not talk about that?
0: 100%.
1: You know, um, and I agree with you. He's, I think he's going to onboard a lot of people. I mean, we know we know a few more that are coming back on. Yeah. So <laughs> I have a feeling that's going to bring some some people uh, for sure. But um, what I think he's going to also introduce probably um, crypto payments and things like that. Like it's going to be interesting. Oh yeah.
0: Sure, um, James. I have a, a few more questions for you, and then we'll wrap it up. What what has been do, when you look back on your career right now and like you still have a whole nother lifetime ahead of you like we're still super young and you're going to go and execute amazing things when you look back in the past 20 plus years what has been your biggest accomplishment
1: oh wow that's that's a tough one um you know i've had i've been very fortunate in my life to do some really cool things i mean i played i walked on the florida state uh when they were at their pinnacle and and i got to play there and be on the field uh or in the stadium I should say, I didn't play that game but for the national championship which was awesome.
0: Oh wow um
1: you know got the rings and, and did that whole thing. So that was great. Um my biggest accomplishment in the space though for me was probably at 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 Jack's, I think, mm. was uh you know I remember sitting down the first day and he said we've got to figure out how to bring this from a 20 million dollar business to a 40 million dollar business and and we we executed that uh in a couple of years when I left the business it was that so I felt accomplished and and it was kind of neat to like look back on that conversation because I remember thinking at the time I'm like how the the hell are we going to do that and and we did it you know so that that's that's an accomplishment what what did it take
0: for those for those listening right there's a lot of younger people designers creatives listening What's something that like you had to do, whether it was mentally or, or physically execute that really like allowed you to do that? I mean, you're talking about $20 million.
1: It's well, it's, it, it's distribution. It's just understanding distribution and understanding how to, how to achieve those kinds of numbers. You know, that's not selling at mom and pop boutiques. Like you need, mm-hmm. you need the department stores behind you and and then you need to do private label business. And, you know, it's, it's diversifying the, revenue streams. That's that's one of the most important things that I've learned over time. You know, if you put everything into the label, it's a very um it's it's a much longer uphill battle. Mm. But if you've got the label and you're producing for other individuals that are um mm. you know supplementing that revenue, right? Um, if they if you do have the opportunity to do diffusion labels, lower end labels that you can put in other places, all of that helps, right? Private label with department stores and things like that. So mm. I would say that my biggest advice uh, other than going from 20 million to 40 million, just in general is become a student of, of your, your space, right? Whether that's web three, whether that's apparel, whether that's any business read books, like, and if you're not, if you're not a book reader, like a, like a physical, then then go online and do the research, but like Mm -hmm. sit and learn. If there's something you don't know, that's not good. If you're, especially if you're in charge, Right. Mm-hmm. Like if like if there's like a like, well, I'm weak at, you know, financials, it's like, well, then you better learn uh, or you better hire somebody to teach you, because if you don't really understand fundamentally, like on the profit and loss side of the business, like what's going on, you're dead in the water. So yeah. I, I became a student. Of, I mean, it took 23 years to to say that I, I you know, have a better grasp of the entire thing. And I'm still learning. Right. We're all still learning. Um. But that's my best my best advice, right? Get in there and learn the things that you don't know. If there's anything that makes you uncomfortable, that's what you should be concentrating on, mm. because you don't want to be uncomfortable in anything. You want to feel very comfortable in the whole on the whole gamut, right? So I'm not saying you need to learn how to how to how to you know be the CMO, but you should have an idea of what they're doing.
0: Hundred you know, percent.
1: You don't know about SEO and things like that. Like, there's just all things that I'm like, all right, I don't know. Let me, let me read up on it. Let me, let me learn. So when they're doing it, you understand what they're saying and you can, you can at least um, have intelligent conversations.
0: Do you block off off like a part of your day to like just do research or like, well, like I
1: said, like I told you for the past, how many years now, since I was in New York, I've been getting up at five in the morning. (laughs) That's never stopped. Oh, I'm sitting in this desk. um, And this is my home office, but I'm sitting here um, every day at, 5 45 to 6 a.m. I'm sitting in this chair and I'll get done usually like seven o'clock at night so it's yep. like
0: you know that's what it takes
1: yeah none that literally especially today with everything going on and and uh you know web 3 is a whole nother layer of of business so it's kind of crazy
0: business and education um two more questions for you the first one's sure. easy one where could people find you? Clubhouse Archives, we have a website, Instagram, Twitter? Yeah. Personally, how do people follow you? Like, Yeah, I'm not worried away. about
1: them following me. I I'd, I'd prefer they, they pay attention to business. They can always get business. <laughs> to business. Uh,
0: theclubhousearchives.com
1: is the, is the website. At Clubhouse A-R-C-N-F-T uh, is our Twitter handle. Uh, that'll probably change, but that's where it is uh, today. And The Clubhouse Archives uh, is our Instagram yeah, I would say check us out and, and,
0: um, I'll plug it learn, below. Learn more about
1: what we're doing. Go ahead.
0: Def, definitely highly recommend it. Uh, ever since I was introduced to you, I've, I've been, I've been watching, trying to join the fashion Fridays. I love it. Like that. I know Friday at 5.00 PM is tough, right? Like people are just fucking done with the week.
1: <laughs> you know, it's funny. It's, it's tough. And, and I was like, Oh, we're going to get murdered in this time slot. But, uh, we've been averaging a few hundred all the way up to, I think 1500, uh, showed up for, for that space two weeks ago. So, you know, people at the end of their day, they're like, sure, I'll, I'll relax and, and listen in the background and, sure, and, uh, maybe it's their drive home or whatnot, but yeah, it's, it's been a great space.
0: Um, last question for you, James, this is something that I started last week, actually with a guest, uh, of a podcast that hasn't come out yet. Um, I used to ask a different question and kind of religiously end the show, but like, I'm really just a f- super fan of giving people flowers while they're still here, right? And if you follow Gary Vee, he does that too. Um, yeah. I would love to ask you like, if there's one or two or three or five or seven people that like you would wanna like put a spotlight on or give flowers to, like who's helped you along the way. You mentioned that person in your first business is really like that that consultant who's helped you along, but who's so, who's somebody who you would, who would give uh, give your flowers to?
1: I'll give flowers to my team right now. The team that I've, I've uh, like Charles Coe, he was the uh, founder of Alpha Girl. Um, He's our COO, and Peter Bokoff is our CTO. He, he's, he, I mean, all these are incredible individuals. Steve, uh, NFT Bark is Steve Kaczynski. He's our chief cultural officer. Gia Batillo is our, our CMO. Um, she's incredible. Lacos, the glitch, glitch bird in uh, Web3, he's our, our strategy officer. And then Zach Hurley is our chief sourcing officer. Um, all incredible individuals. Um, and the reason why I'm giving flowers to them is they, I've agreed to come along with this journey until it really gets to a point um to work and sustain itself i mean they're really here for the passion and the vision right and that's tough to find people that want to come along on those types of journeys with you um so i'm giving flowers to them for seeing the vision and uh and staying along my side to help me build this thing out
0: um that's amazing i'm super stoked with that answer and definitely for all those people that if- people are interested in doing their homework and their research on clubhouse archives go look at all those profiles because they are amazing they are on your website as well so uh james this has been incredible uh episode 73 of an untold narrative uh thank you so much for coming on spending time on this sunday i know i know you're going to get some family activities in but thank you i
1: appreciate it thank you i appreciate the opportunity to come on and talk about this today and whenever you want to have me back i'd love to come back and if i can help in any way please let me know as well